This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, November 17th, 2019. Lock it up, your mood. Good morning, Connection Church. There we go. It's week three of our series, Lock It Up. Two weeks ago, we talked about locking up our minds. Last week, Bonnie shared with us about locking up our mouths. By the way, Bonnie, great job. Awesome job. And, uh, yeah. and today, as you can see from the bump, uh, our focus this morning is locking up our moods. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we thank you so much for today, gathering us together, the celebrations of claiming Jesus and reclaiming and making a public statement of faith and now settle us in, that we might open our hearts to what you would have to say to each one of us, and we pray that each one of our lives might be just a little bit different by this. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So, so what is a mood anyway? Well, the dictionary tells us that a mood is a temporary state of mind or feeling, an emotional state. Our moods are tightly connected then to our emotions, although emotions tend to be a little more short-lived. Um, feelings usually from a known cause, while moods are feelings that are longer-lasting and often don't have a clear starting point. Often our emotions are the outward expression of our mood. And so since mood and motion tend to go hand in hand, lock up, locking up our mood is closely tied to controlling our emotions. Now the thing that we want to clarify up front this morning is what we are not talking about. We are not talking about clinical depression or anxiety and the moods that come with that. We are not talking about bipolar. We're not talking about any of that because those are the kinds of things that um, therapy is needed for, counseling is needed for, medication is needed to help control, and, and we support all of that. What we're talking about today is the everyday moods. Say everyday moods. Everyday moods. All right, so we all have them, right? Yeah. Everyday moods and emotions that sometimes we allow to, to take over we allow to get out of control, allow to get in the way of us being our best selves. <laughs> Locking up our moods, controlling our emotions. The book of Proverbs is full of axioms that address what we're talking about this, today, many of which were written by King Solomon, known as the wisest man to ever live. And so here are a few examples. Proverbs 16.32 Proverbs 16.32 says, person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. The actually, actually, do we have better to be patient? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My bad. On my sheet, I, I had the, the, uh, the, the scripture first. My bad. Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Proverbs 25.28, person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Proverbs 29.11, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Next slide. Hello. Thank you. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. 
In Proverbs 15:1, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. So over and over and over again, we are reminded to lock up our mood. Lock it up. I kind of like saying that. <clears throat> Say, lock it up. Say it with attitude. Yeah, there you go. We're reminded to lock it up, to have control over our emotions. Even when we see these reminders in Proverbs, we find them in other parts of the Bible as well. We also find them, well, we find them in the Old Testament, the beginning part of the Bible. We find them in the New Testament. And primarily the Apostle Paul, who wrote the second half of the Bible, a lot of it, he wrote letters to various churches. We've been talking about those letters over the last uh, couple weeks. Here's what Paul says to the church in Ephesus. Ephesus was a town. This is Ephesians 4:31 through 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And notice the words Paul chooses here, words like bitterness, rage, evil. In another translation, the word malice is used in the place of evil. These aren't just negative words. These are uh, or negative emotions. These are emotions that are completely out of control, aren't they? They, they are off the edge. Um, pure and simple, the, it's sin, the behaviors here, sin, separating us from God, separating us from one another. And the thing we need to remember here is God gave us emotions, and they're important, and we need to pay attention to them and not ignore them. And on the other hand, though we need to keep them under control, um, if we don't do that, they control us. They begin to control us, and, and that's not good. We have all experienced that, and we've also been on the other end of that as well. Out-of-control emotions are not our best look. They can really be dangerous. They can be hurtful. All kinds of damage can result when we don't lock up our moods, when we don't control our emotions, physical, psychological, social, and even physical damage can result, sinful thoughts and actions, and that's not what God wants. It's not what God wants for us or for those around us. God gave us emotions. That's important to remember. God gave us emotions, and God wants us to use them appropriately, but also have some control over them. Hmm. On the other hand, we're not saying today that we should be so in control of our emotions that our moods should be so locked up that we never express our feelings. Uh, gentlemen, especially, it's an area where we walk a fine line many days. Because all too often we get our emotions so locked up that we aren't showing any emotion at all or very little, and that's not good either. Important for us to share with our wives, our children, our families, our friends. Important to know that they know how we feel, but not in an out-of-control, hurtful, damaging, sinful way. Jesus had emotion. He felt what we feel, you know, joy and sadness and anger. He showed his emotions to those around, but he did not let the emotions take control over him. He depended on God 
to um, use his emotions appropriately. In doing some research for the message this morning, I came across uh, a scripture. I, I looked up, you know, scriptures that deal with emotions, that kind of thing, and um, and 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 I, it was a scripture I, at first thought, what, how does that connect with this? And after giving it some thought and some consideration, prayer, it actually fits very well with what we're talking about this morning. We find it in the thirteenth chapter of First Corinthians. That's a a chapter that's often called the love chapter. If, if you've ever been to a wedding, chances are very good this chapter was read or part of it. It's, it's uh, the first part of the chapter is where Paul goes through and talks about how important love is. Agape love, that's a Greek term, agape, for it's a, a type of unconditional love. It's kind of love that's not an emotion. It's a love that's a conscious decision that we make, kind of love that we'll see a couple through 60 years of marriage because it's not subject to the up and down of emotion, but it's a decision that they've made. The kind of love that God has for us, the kind of love that Jesus calls us to have for each other, the kind of love that doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It's not selfish or irritable. It keeps no record of wrongs. I mean, that's what Paul tells us right in there. The kind of love that doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. The kind of love that protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres. Paul talks about how other things will pass away, but love, true love, this kind of love, this agape, unconditional love, never fails, Paul writes. And then he says, now we only see part of the picture, but when perfection comes, we're going to see it all. And then he makes an interesting observation. You go, gosh, what's that got to do? We'll talk about that in a second. Interesting observation. Check it out. He says, when I was a child... Say it with me. Let's read it together. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Yeah. And so what Paul is talking about is the maturation process, both as human beings and as people of faith, that we mature in our faith and we get closer to God and, and um, make decisions based on a biblical worldview as we mature in our relationship with Jesus. And so this concept of having this agape love, this love that overcomes all things, we, we begin to learn to practice that a little bit more as we mature. We put away childish ways. You know, you think about children and they, you know, it's all about them. I'm not trying to be mean, but think about a two-year-old, okay? They don't have that way to rationalize, and so they want it, and they want it then. <laughs> Behavior is often mood-driven, uh, emotion-driven, without boundaries, out of control. As parents of four kids, we have walked out of restaurants more than once. <laughs> when our lovely children, when they were young through fits, and how about when they throw themselves down on the floor? <laughs> now, wouldn't that feel good to be able to do that every once in a while? Just, I'm so, you know, I just want to throw myself. But anyway, that's, as adults, as we mature, that's really out of control. And so we need to lock it up a little bit. You know, it's childish. So we move from being children to adults, from immaturity to maturity, far from God to closer to God 
It's this whole process of maturing in many, many ways. And in doing so, we're able to lock up our moods as we grow up a bit and to control our emotions, putting away childish things, including childish behaviors. Mm. And while we're doing that, though, let us never confuse childish with childlike. Very different. Because as we mature, we put away childish behavior, but Jesus actually tells us how important it is for us to continue to be childlike. Check it out. Check out what he says here. Matthew 18, 1 through 5. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a little child to him, and he placed the child among them, and he said, Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I don't think he means throwing fits in restaurants and throwing yourself on the ground, and that's not what he's talking about. He's not meaning childish, but meaning childlike. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child, say it with me, in my name welcomes me. So childlike, trusting. Think about that. Kids just trust naturally. Trusting, faithful, innocent, forgiving. Jesus shared how important it is for us to maintain those childlike characteristics. Not childish, but childlike. Big difference. So it wasn't too long after my backyard scene that I talked about there in the bump into the message, scene with my two girls, that I found myself once again with a hammer in my hand. This time I wasn't putting a roof on. Instead, I was on a weekend retreat known as Walk to Emmaus. Maybe some of you have been on that retreat. There's a point in the weekend where there's quiet time in order for us to reflect on what in our lives we need Jesus to change in us, to take away, to forgive us for, or to help us with. You write down on a piece of paper, whatever it is, and then you literally nail it to the cross that's laid out on the floor there. Yeah. And so I wrote on this piece of paper, Jesus, help me have more patience with my children or take away my impatience. One way or another, I was asking for him to allow me to be better with my kids have more patience with my children. And I successfully nailed it to the cross without hitting my thumb. Thank you very much. (laughs) But that was just between Jesus and me. I didn't share that with anybody. Just between Jesus and me, here it is, Lord. This is what I need help with. And so, um, came home from the weekend, and for some reason, things were a little tense in the house after coming back from the weekend. And, um, And it finally erupted with Carrie saying to me, well, you know, Alan, you're no different than you were before you went on that weekend. The only difference is you were patient with the kids. I mean, we're talking a couple days, and the Lord's already working on me. Can you believe that? You're already more patient with the kids. Yes. I didn't let her see me going like that. I stood back here. But, wow, isn't the Lord good all the time? All the time. All the time. So it was a couple weeks later that he told me that. I did not know um, 
at that moment. He goes, no, 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 Jesus did a good thing in me. He didn't tell me that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, but he did it humbly some weeks later. Controlling our emotions, locking up <clears throat> our moods. It's really not easy, is it? It's not easy. Change isn't easy, at least on our own. But we have help. Sometimes our help is in the form of those who we walk through life with, our, our family, our, our friends, um, people who are accountable, who help hold us accountable in our lives. It's so important to have those people. And they're helpful to help us open our eyes to, the, to who we are and what we're doing and how we're acting. But there's a thing. Change, true change, doesn't come from those around us. They might be help, they might guide us, but they don't bring about change. God uses them to help us realize the need for change. They don't do the change. How can they? They're as broken as we are. <laughs> the ultimate change in our lives doesn't come horizontally. The ultimate change comes vertically vertically from above, and it's in the person of Jesus Christ. Just like for me on that weekend, it came from Jesus Christ. Jesus is our change agent. Say Jesus. Say change agent. Yeah, he is our change agent. He lived, he died, he resurrected to bring about change for you and for me. Change and transformation. New life. The old is gone, the new has come, thanks to Jesus Christ. Helping us become the people God intended us to be when God first thought of us. Yeah, loving people, caring people, people with childlike faith, not childish fits. Jesus is our help and Jesus is our hope. And he is our only hope, our only true hope. He's there for us when no one else is when all else fails, when we have nowhere else to turn. He is our hope of a bright new future, no matter how dark and clouded our past. When I think about times in my life where my mood isn't my best self, I'm not talking about emotions, but just this general overlying kind of something. I... I end up, you know, you recognize it after a little while because it just doesn't feel good, first of all, if it's, an, if it's a negative mood. And when I do this self-assessment or when people around me might gently let me know, really what I find out is that I haven't been taking care of myself. And so I, um, I might have let things fester and then it just puts me in a downward spiral I might not have dealt with some sin in myself that I need to deal with. Most of the time, though, I can say it's because I have drifted and I haven't spent the time that I needed to with the Lord. If I do that, if I kind of do it quickly, you know, 10 minutes, 15, my life is as busy as yours. You think maybe I just sit and read the Bible all day. I don't. So I have to work at carving out time, just like you do. And when I skim over it quickly, and I cheat a little bit, and I do that over time, 
that's actually when my mood starts plummeting because then I find myself in this gray and, and I start looking down instead of looking up and then that's when my emotions start getting out of whack and I might, you know, here or there. So I'm going to say that the biggest thing, those of us who are connected to Jesus, if you're feeling your mood is down, spend some time in the Bible. Spend, I mean, concentrated time, block it out. And over time, that's going to lift you out. It really, it really will, because Jesus is the only one. He's the only one. And those of us who are new to all this, Jesus came for us. And we need to live like our life depends on Jesus, because it does. It does. Because without Christ, our moods, our emotions just take us to a place of darkness, and it's hard to find our way out. So he came to bring hope. And he came to bring light, and he came to give us life to the full. And we hope and pray that today might be the day that you would reaffirm that or perhaps accept that relationship for the very first time. If that's you, it would be your birthday today. And I would say happy birthday. It would be important, too, to pray with somebody about that. Back in the prayer corner, wave your hand back there. She's right back there, red up oh, back there, two sides, ready to pray with you about anything. Today is a great day to commit or recommit and to give ourselves, our whole selves, to Jesus. That's the good news. Let's be believe it and let's live it. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Almighty God, thank you so much that you never leave us or forsake us. When we find our places in these moods where it's kind of tough to find our way out, Lord, your Holy Spirit always guides us, and I would say first convicts us and then guides us and draws us to you. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit, the comforter in our times of ups and downs and um, Lord, thank you most of all for Jesus, who knew our grief, who died our death, and who rose again for our sake. We pray all this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.